somebody that knows God is in control, I dare you to take about 60 seconds and give him a great praise. Come on, all over this building right now. Somebody lift your voice and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah! Is there anybody in the building today that understands the government isn't in control and the world powers are not in control? Do you understand that the UN is not in control and Russia's not in control and Syria's not in control? And the United States of America is not in control. But I got news this Sunday morning. Whatever it is you're worried about, you must understand that God is in control. My God, that's why I can shout when the gas prices are high. That's why I can still shout when interest rates are going up. That's why I can still shout when I got more month than I have money. That's why I can shout in the middle of my pain because God is in control. You ought to spin around and high five about eight people standing next to you and tell them that God is in control. Come on, tell them God is in control. Hey! Now if you understand that God's in control, you ought to take just a few moments this morning and give him a praise. Weapon is, I want you to know we win. Help me see.
neighbor, give me a little room this morning. Tell your neighbor, give me a little room this morning. I gotta praise him. Would you dance with me? Would you dance with me? Would you, would you? I got victory. I got victory. I got victory. I got victory.
I have about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them, welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock Church. Hallelujah. Whoa! Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take a brief opportunity this morning to say what a privilege and what an honor it is to have every single one of our guests in the house of the Lord with us. Rock Church, I need to borrow your hands and your voice. Help me make some Holy Ghost crazy noise for all of our guests. Come on, we can do better than that. Let them know how excited we are to have them here today. Amen. It is truly our honor to have you here in the house of the Lord with us this morning. If this is your very first time here at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you walked in this morning. It looks something like that on the screen. And uh, if you did not receive one of those when you walked in, if you'll briefly just raise your hand, one of our staff members will run one to you. And uh, how many of you understand that VIP stands for very important person. And this church wants you to know if you're one of our guests today that you are a very important person. Amen, somebody. And so immediately following the service, if you'll just take your VIP card and find the red carpet in the lobby, we've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you, just a token of our appreciation for having you in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Amen, somebody. And we just have one policy that we want you to know as a first-time guest. And that policy is simply that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the doors. After that, you're just at home right here in the Rock Church. Can I get an amen in the building today? Would you turn around 360 degrees and tell everybody around you, welcome home. Extend your hand and tell them, welcome home this morning. Amen. Welcome home. Amen. So good to have you in the house of the Lord. God's doing so many amazing things. How many of you were absolutely abundantly blessed last week by the stage play broken in this house? Amen. If you did not have the opportunity to be here, we want to remind you that we, we do have uh, a few resources that you can go back and enjoy. Not only the stage play broken, but all of our services are archived once the, the live stream is finished. You can uh, go either to our Facebook page or you can find us on our, our YouTube channel. And uh, you can re-listen to any of the services and uh, bring what God is doing in this place into your place. Amen. And it's a great tool to share with other people. Uh, but God has showed up in such a mighty way. This past week has been full of incredible things. Uh, I was informed that this past Friday, just a couple of days ago, we absolutely smashed an all-time attendance record with our Friday night youth programs here at the, on the campus. I think we ought to give God a praise for helping us reach the young people of our city. And then if I'm not mistaken, I think this morning we broke another record big time on how many... Uh, young people rode our buses to the church. They're trying to give me sign language back there with signs, but I, how many of you thank God for helping us with Sunday, the Sunday Express at the Rock Church? Amen. And, and we are in the middle of an amazing harvest. God is doing so, so many wonderful things. Somebody shout, March the 8th. 
Tell your neighbor March 8th. They already put the graphic up, I guess. All right. How many of you understand that's Mother's Day? Did I get it right? May 8th. We already passed March 8th. Okay, tell your neighbor, forget about it. Take the graphic back down. You got to wait for the punchline. Let's do this right. Good Lord, help us, Jesus. Turn and tell your neighbor, May the 8th. Tell your other neighbor, May the 8th is Mother's Day. And we've got a guest speaker on Mother's Day, our very own First Lady Williams. Yeah. Mother's Day is going to be absolutely incredible. We will only be having one service on Mother's Day this year because when the service is over, we want to give you an opportunity to uh, love on your mama, mama Nim, and, uh, and spoil her and do uh, lots of great things as a family together. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time. There's going to be uh, a small treat and gift for every mother that comes into the house of the Lord and uh, so mark your calendars. It's going to be an amazing time. Amen. Amen. I want us to stand all over this house as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this place. And uh, we are looking so forward to what God wants to do in the remainder of this service. But it is such an honor this morning to have with us all the way from Elk Grove, California, Pastor and Sister Gerardo and Amy Diaz. Would you help me show them some rock church love? Oh, we could do way better than that. Come on. Okay, I know how to get the cheers a lot higher. They pastor La Roca, which is the rock church in Elk Grove, California. Now give them some rock church love. Amen. And with accompanying them to make sure they didn't get into any trouble are their two precious children, Sister Olivia and my little main man, Oliver, who's on the front row making sure his bow tie is straight this morning. And uh, we're so honored to have them in the house of the Lord today. Uh, Brother and Sister Diaz are the pastors of the Spanish work uh, at the Rock Church in Elk Grove, California. Church is no stranger to that house. Bishop Wilson, Pastor Young, and uh, Pastor Diaz is one of the pastoral staff there. And they are doing an amazing job leading the Spanish revival, the Spanish-speaking revival that is happening in Elk Grove, California. Amen. And uh, La Roca Mi Vida. Hallelujah. And uh, so we are honored to have them here. And uh, I, now I don't know. He may want Sister Diaz to get up and preach before he does or testify or something. I don't know. We want them to just do whatever they feel. But I, I, I met uh, Pastor Diaz's acquaintance, I think it may have been 1997. I'm trying to rack my mind. I think it may have been 97. I was 19 or 20 years old, and both of us were a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter. And uh, I met him... Uh, on the west coast, the left coast. And uh, over the years, God has just enabled us to, to, to become great friends and build such an amazing 
friendship with him. And then, of course, through the years, became acquainted with Sister Diaz. Before she was ever Sister Diaz, we knew her and her family. And uh, it's just amazing watching God do some amazing things. And it has been a long time coming, getting them right here to Fort Myers. And uh, I was at No Limits this year in March, and we got to talking, and I said, listen, we, we have got to make this happen. And uh, although we make plans, the Bible says that it's the Lord's will that prevails. And we know that, that he is not here just by human invitation, but he's here by divine appointment this morning. Amen, somebody? How many of you believe that anything can happen in this place today? I just need about 200 of y'all. How many of you be really believe that before we leave this sanctuary that anything could happen in this place. I want us to lift our hands one more time in the presence of the Lord and lift up your voice and give God a, a great big praise as Pastor Diaz comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us today. Would you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord of Lords. Unto the King of Kings, unto the God, only God who saves. Come on, let's magnify. Would you magnify the Lord with me? Come on, let us exalt His name together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. There is no God like our God. Amen. And here in Fort Myers, I'm just going to let you know, there is no place like this place. Amen. What an honor, what a privilege it is for my wife and our kids and myself to be here. Amen. With this beautiful congregation. Amen. Where everybody is welcome. Amen. Look around. You can tell everybody is welcome. Amen. There are some things that the government can do, and there are some things the government can't do. And bringing cultures together is something that they cannot do. It's something only the blood of Jesus can do. Amen. And uh, I want to say, first of all, just preliminary remarks, uh, thank you to my good friend, your bishop, Brother Williams, and Sister Williams, and their family. And to the church, we thank you for everything that you have done. Your hospitality has been amazing and great. And whoever, I don't know who you are, who prepared two wonderful hospitality baskets I thank you so much. My children especially thank you so much. And my wife especially, especially thanks you so much. My wife actually does that for the Rock Church. And uh, so she knows what time it takes. And they were amazing. They were beautiful. And uh, Oliver looked at those things and he goes, this one's for me. He wanted a whole basket to himself. And uh, so... It is simply a joy, amen, to be here with you. It has been. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with what I feel here this morning. Amen. With the beautiful presence of God and the presence of his people. Amen. And uh, allow me to go down memory lane. Uh, it is so good to see 
uh, Jeanette here as well, and uh, her boy, Eric. Now, there's history there. We pastored, my wife and I pastored our first church. I was 28 years old. She was 22 years old. And um, we pastored our first church in Oakland, California. And with events and what have you, that's how we ended up meeting uh, Jeanette and her family. They ended up moving from Colorado to California. And a lot of crazy stories there. But uh, to see Eric Todd do what he's doing, it just makes my heart happy. So I'm proud of you, buddy. Amen. And that is a testimony. That is a testimony to brother and sister Williams, and then also to you, the church here at Fort Myers. So we do appreciate you. We thank you. We love the, the work of God that God is doing here in this place. Amen. Uh, Fort Myers here at the Rock Church. Amen. I'd like to uh, bring your attention to the word of the Lord, to Mark chapter number 1. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 16, and then also go to Luke chapter number 5. As your bishop has said, I do want to thank those of you that are guests. I don't know if this may be your first time or fifth time, whatever the case is. Make sure that you do your best to make this your home, your spiritual home. Everybody needs a spiritual home. Like the old saying says, there's no place like home. And when you become a part of this home, you're going to feel the same way. There's just no place, no place like home. Amen. And uh, so we do welcome you, and we're thankful that you are here. And uh, I'm going to preach, amen, uh, not for a long time, but I do, I, I think y'all can get with me. And I want to know, if do you understand, some of you understand Spanish, I hear. Okay. Now I'm already starting to feel at home. I don't preach much in English. I preach in Spanish a lot. So you're going to have to forgive me if some words come out and you're like, what in the world does that mean? What language is that? There's a new language we invented called Spanglish. Amen. So I know a lot of Spanglish. So some of the words may come out that way. But en el nombre de Jesús vamos a predicar. Y en el nombre de Jesús, todo latino, toda gente que aprende o entiende el español, amén, predica conmigo. Porque siento la gloria del Señor en este lugar. Siento el poder de Dios en este lugar. I feel the glory of God in this place. I feel the power of God in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Entonces predican conmigo. Les hago una garantía. Si predican conmigo, no les voy a predicar por dos horas. I'm going to make a guarantee with you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. If you preach with me, I'm not going to preach two hours. But don't tempt me, please. Amen. Let's, let's, let's read Mark chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 16. The Bible says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew. This is Jesus walking. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. By the way, that was a wonderful announcement about outreach this coming Saturday. And like the gentleman said, cancel your plans. Come to outreach. Amen. Hey, this is what, it's what Jesus did. Don't you want to be like Jesus? 
Amen. If you want to know what Jesus would do, that's what he would do. All right, there's a plug-in for your outreach department. Amen. Verse number 18, and straightway, everybody say straightway. Everybody say immediately. That's what that means. Immediately they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway, everybody say straightway. Straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Luke chapter number 5. If you would turn your Bible there with me. If you don't have a Bible here, look at your neighbor's Bible. If you, don't, if you and your neighbor don't have a Bible, you know in modern technology, in our days, you can just look up at the screens. They'll have it on there for you. They can get my ugly mug off of there and they can put their scripture. All right, fine, great. Luke chapter number 5, verse 27. And after these things he went forth, and he saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all. Somebody said, he left all. He left all, rose up, and followed him. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you help me pray and ask God to speak to you in this service? Lord, we are in desperate need of your word. Everybody in this place, including me, we need your word in our lives. We pray that you would speak. We know that we do not serve dumb idols. We know that you, our God, are a living God. We pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to not only hear your voice, but help us to do what your word is for this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, and let the rock church say in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you're going to preach with me, you can be seated. And I'm looking around to see who's standing. All right, there's ushers, but I'm, some of them, I'm sure, they'll be standing. Okay, good. So now that we are all on board, you're going to preach with me, and I'm going to preach. It works a whole lot better that way. And I, I've heard rumors about this church. My bishop was at this church, uh, I think it was just a couple of months ago or so, and uh, my pastor has been here, and he knows about y'all, and, and I've heard you guys can preach with the preacher. All right. I know you can worship. I know, I know you're bishop. <laughs> and I know you can worship. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've experienced it for the first time this morning. And I've preached in churches where they can preach with the preacher, and I've preached in some dead ones too. Hallelujah, where all they give you is a nod or a no. <laughs> But I want to know, not only can you preach with the preacher, but can you apply what the preacher is going to preach? You can preach with me all you want, but if you don't apply it at the end of the day, at the end of the service, you're going to walk out the same. But I'm telling you, if you apply the living word in your heart at the end of this message, something is going to happen in your soul. 
Jesus is going to change you. I don't know if you're ready for a blessing, but you may walk out of this place blessed. I'm not talking about man's favor. I'm not talking about God's uh, simple favor. I'm talking about his blessing. Hallelujah. I want you to walk out of this place blessed. All right. Quiero que tú seas una persona bendecida. No con el favor del hombre. No con el favor de tu mamá. Menos de la abuela. Pero quiero que Dios te bendiga en este lugar. Y si vas a aplicar la palabra de Dios, lo vas a aplicar en tu corazón, vas a salir como una persona cambiada, vas a salir como una persona nueva, vas a salir una persona bendecida. Aleluya. All right, all right. In Jesus' name, look at your neighbor and say, In Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, God has called you. If you are here, it is because God has called you. I understand if you're a guest. I understand that maybe somebody knocked on your door or you met somebody on your job. But look beyond all of that. The mighty hand of God is working, amen, already in your life. That's why you are here. You may, you may have just come because you're interested. You, maybe it piqued your curiosity. I don't know. And that may be true. And, that, and that's completely fine. That's completely all right. But let me just tell you, behind the scenes, God already has your number. He wants to show you how much he loves you. He wants you to know that he wants to bless you. You may be well off or you may not be well off. No matter what strata of life you come, you come in, I want to tell you God wants to bless you. And he does that by calling you to him. The Christian life is likened biblically to many things, but one of those things is that is likened unto a war. The weapons, the Bible says, of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. They're not guns. They're not bombs. I, I know there's a lot of that going on in the world, and there's fear of, a, of another world war, but that's not the way we fight. Hallelujah. We don't fight with tanks and missiles and nuclear weapons. We fight with the mighty power of God. Hallelujah. That's why we believe in prayer. That's why we believe in praising God. That's why we believe in moving and dancing. Because when we praise, when we dance, when we pray, God is fighting our battles. Oh, are you hearing me today? Am I preaching to somebody that needs God to fight your battles? Am I preaching to somebody that you need God on your side? Hallelujah, hallelujah. They're mighty through God uh, to the pulling down uh, of strongholds. Uh, and though here in America and in many other countries, there may be a specific age where you need to become before you enlist in the military. That is not that way in the kingdom of God. Amen. In fact, 
God calls you from a very young age sometimes. We don't have the time to talk about a Josiah. We don't have the time to talk about others that were called at young ages and the, the mighty works of David as just a young, young boy. Amen. God calls people. Amen. Dios habla. Dios llama a personas. Aleluya. No importa tu edad. No importa si eres joven. No importa si eres anciano. Dios llama a personas. Aleluya. Y Dios ha llamado. Aleluya. Ha puesto un llamado sobre tu vida. Necesitas entender. No estás aquí por casualidad. Aleluya. You didn't come by happenstance or by chance. You came because God's hand is on you. Estás aquí porque Dios tiene su mano. Ya está sobre usted. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Amen. But though the kingdom does not have a specific time or an age, should I say, for those to be called to the kingdom, there are specific times, amen, that are important. Our Lord Jesus said concerning his kingdom, he said the time is fulfilled. The time, el tiempo se ha cumplido. The time is fulfilled. And in the original, the word time in the original biblical Greek can mean multiple things. Number one, it could mean a measure of time. It could mean a fixed or, indef or definite time. It could mean the time when things are brought to crisis or a boiling point, if you will. It could also mean a decisive epic, uh, waited for opportune or a seasonable time. In whichever way that you look at it, the original is trying to get you to understand that the use of time in this context is a limited period of time. It's kind of like a, uh, uh, an open window uh, of opportunity that just opens right up in your face uh, and if you don't take advantage of it, it'll then shut. I don't know about you, but anytime God is opening windows, Anytime God is opening windows, I want to reach in there. I want to step in there. I want to grab a hold of it. Cada vez que Dios está abriendo ventanas, yo quiero estar allí a punto de, de recibir, a punto de ir a otro lado. Hallelujah. And I feel that God has that window of time open for people here today. If I were you, I would make up in my mind right now. I'm not going to miss this time. Time. I may have missed it last week. I may have missed it last month, but I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I'm going to get on after it right now. Hallelujah. Alguien comprometete de tomar, hallelujah, de exercitar y de probar para llegar a ese lugar. Amen. 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 So let's look. Let's look at. We'll go a little slow here for Sunday morning, but then give me a little bit of time and then we'll speed back up. Let's look at what the Bible says about this window of opportunity, this, this time where everything comes to a boiling point. That window of opportunity opens up. Let's look at what happened with Simon 
and his brother Andrew. To them, it was just a normal day, just a normal Sunday morning maybe. Uh, they, they were just having a normal day on a fishing boat until the Lord Jesus walked by. When he walked by, he simply calls for them. Now, now I, I don't know the dynamics of, of the distance of where they were at on the boat and their proximity to Jesus. But I know this. Uh, Jesus probably did not uh, just walk a happenstance by them and then look out there to the, to the, to the seaside and see a boat. And, and I don't think he just like whistled and said, hey, y'all come on over here. I think that, that the Bible is giving us to understand that when Jesus called them, he, he did something to catch their attention. Maybe he stood uh, just close to, their, close to the shore uh, and then maybe their boat was a little bit close to the shore. Maybe he just stood there looking at them to grab their attention. But when he called for them, uh, I can just see uh, uh, the fire in our Lord's eyes as he meets eye to eye with those men and then says, come, follow me. And the Bible says that when he did so, he called them. The Bible says he or they left their nets behind. Now I want you to understand that's not some little thing. I want you to understand that that was, uh, that was that those nets represented a whole lot more to them. It was their way of life. It was their living. It also represented their future. It represented earthly security for them. It represented what they were used to doing. It represented all of these things. But the moment that Jesus called for them, the Bible says all of this they left behind to follow the call of God. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but, but I feel the Holy Ghost want me to push a little further on this topic. I want you to understand, hallelujah, there's nothing in this world that can provide the security that Jesus Christ can provide. No hay nada en este mundo que puede proveer la seguridad que nuestro Señor Jesucristo puede proveer. Yo sé, vienen a los Estados Unidos y quieren ganar más sueldo, quieren ganar más billete, quieren comprarse una grande casa y todo eso es bueno, no predicamos en contra de eso, pero cuando uno pone esas cosas adelante o enfrente del Señor, allí es donde se equivoca la gente. I'm preaching to people here that I understand people come to the United States and they come for a little bit more money and they want to buy a big house and they want to be settled nice and well there's nothing wrong with blessing there's nothing wrong with prosperity the problem is is America has gotten the wealth and the prosperity ahead of Jesus Christ 
It doesn't matter what you put ahead of Jesus. It's wrong. These men had their nets, had their livelihood in their hands. But when they heard the voice of God, they said, forget this. I'm going after something that's more important. I heard a call. I'm preaching to somebody here today. God has called you to this place for a purpose. God has called you not only to this place, but right now he's calling you to him. Ahorita te está llamando a su presencia. Aleluya. Alguien diga gloria a Dios. The rest of you say glory to God. Praise God. So that's what happened when their window of time was open. But when James and John, when it was their turn, the Bible says that when they heard the call of God, when that window of opportunity opened to them, it simply says they left their father Zebedee on the boat. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But the call of God was so strong. Was so captivating. Like a vortex. Drawing and pulling with strong gravity. That they said, Daddy, I've got to go. I've, I, 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 I've got to leave. I'm reminded of when we did pastor in Oakland. Sister Jeanette may remember. There was a young boy by the name of Tony. I forgot his last name, but little Tony. He was a young man, 16 years old. When we first met him, he was 15. Incredibly talented on the keys and on the organ. And uh, our, whoever our uh, previous keyboardist was uh, ended up leaving. Last kind of last minute notice, just one of those deals. And uh, we were pretty much left with a 15-year-old. And the previous guy had amazing talent like you guys have here. And I was the new pastor. I'd only been pastoring, I'd been pastoring less than six months, I think it was. And I'm like, great. So my wife doesn't play. I mean, she can tinker around on the keys a little bit. I sure can't play. I can barely hold a note. And uh, the guy that was our worship leader, he was the organist and the worship leader. He, I mean, it's one of those deals. He was just like your, like your bishop, just amazingly talented. Well, we're left with a 15-year-old boy. And that boy got a hold of something one Sunday morning. I'm talking about Oakland, California. There's some similarities between Oakland and Fort Myers. But in the hood, this little boy heard the call of God. And it got him and it drew him to Jesus. And he just went all in. And the kid only knew how to play one song. And I pulled him in the office. I said, Tony... I said, you ready to play for the church? And he was like, I mean, the little kid was like, he's this little scrawny little guy. His knees were probably knocking behind my desk. Just His eyes were bright and big. Like, uh, uh, I said, Tony, I said, you hear me? I said, if you, I said, you've got it, number one. You've got it. 
I said, but if you give yourself to that talent that God has given you, if you just step out of that boat of comfort and give yourself to Jesus because he has called you, I said he will anoint you and you will be able to play. You will be able to play for the church. I said, are you ready? And he said, yes. It wasn't but 30 days later, he was already playing 10 songs masterfully. Another 30 days, he multiplied that. The kid had it. He played because he dedicated himself to the call of God. He had already given up the junk of the world. His daddy was complaining to the church because his son wouldn't go do the worldly things that his daddy wanted him to do. His daddy got mad at the church because his son gave himself to Jesus Christ and became what people call a holy roller. He couldn't understand what was going on with this 16 year old boy can I preach to somebody here today what went on with that young boy is what God wants to do with some of you here today he accepted he received and stepped into the call of God and God began to change his life God began to make him a new creation God anointed him and blessed him and he became our organist and he did a great work all because he responded to him it didn't matter what his daddy thought he understood there's something more important in this universe that has to do with eternity the old man was left behind so to us it speaks of your old man, I'm not talking about your natural father. I'm talking about that old man that tries to get you to sin every morning. I'm talking about that, that old Adamic nature of, of original sin that is in your life and draws you back and wants to get you to trip up and to stumble. Hallelujah. When you hear the call of God and when these guys, James and John, heard the call of God, they didn't care. They left all of it behind. It didn't matter, hallelujah, what the flesh wanted. They made their commitment to Jesus and they made it strong. Then I'm intrigued by what the name Zebedee actually means. It means very simply gift or my gift. My gift. There's a lot of people in today's world that have a gift. They have giftings for sports. They have giftings for music. They have, there's a lot of gifts. I've got old friends, used to be friends. One of them, two of them that I remember, incredible gifting on their life of being an orator, well-polished speaker. And uh, we, were, we were 22, 23, 24, 5 years old. And, and I remember hoping that someday I could speak like them. 
They, we all had a call of God to preach, and we'd all begin preaching. And, but, but they had a gift. They had something that was given to them that, that, that they, could just, they could just put word pictures together, and they could put phrases together, and they could captivate an audience, uh, and, uh, and they can do all these things with their words. Uh, it was their gifting, uh, but somewhere along the line, uh, they, they never, never really truly consecrated uh, hallelujah and sacrificed uh, their gift uh, for the call of God somewhere along the line they got their gift and the call confused I want you to hear what I just said to them their gift became their call and there's people in today's churches that are gifted in different ways, I'm reminded of back when I was in San Diego before I even moved up, uh, moved up to Sacramento. I'm reminded of uh, of a church, a friend of mine's church. Uh, uh, we were young people. Uh, I'd probably been in church for about a year and a half or so, and I and I remember all of the commotion uh, about a guy from their church that had been receiving letters uh, to to go play for UCLA, to go play uh, football for UCLA, and I remember thinking in my mind, uh, what in the world am I, am I hearing? Why? Why would he even consider uh, leaving the church and, and being involved in that kind of stuff? I I understand the guy was big, the guy was strong, the guy was uh, talentedly uh, gifted uh, in, uh, with athletic ability. Uh, uh, but in my mind, I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that somebody would even contemplate, uh, hallelujah, trading in uh, the call of God uh, to do something uh, of that nature. Uh, I'm preaching to somebody here today. I don't care uh, what your gift is. I, I don't know you and you don't know me. But I'm preaching to somebody today, hallelujah, that's gifted. You may be gifted in business. You may be gifted in finance. You may be gifted in artistic creations and any other thing that is good. You may be able to make a good, a good amount of money, hallelujah, with your giftings. But can I tell you, if you don't put Jesus first, it's not going to work out. If you don't put Jesus and his call first, hallelujah, somewhere along the line. You're making an awful decision that's going to bear some awful fruit. I'm preaching to somebody here today trying to change your mind. Would you just let go of that gift and put it in the hands of God and see what he can do with it. When you put Jesus first, I'm telling you, he made your gifting maybe a little bit, but he can multiply it like he did a bunch of loaves and fishes. He can do a bunch of great things. If you just put Jesus first. These guys left it all behind. They left it all behind. And when it came to Levi, sitting at the receipt of customs, Good old Levi was making himself some good money. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with making good money. In fact, I know your bishop feels this way. We pray everybody in this house would be blessed financially. 
Because if you have come this far with the little that you have, can you imagine what you guys can do in Fort Myers and beyond if God blesses everybody? So Levi had it all. At least by the world's standards, he had it all made. But when Jesus came to him and looked at him and said, come follow me, it dawned on Levi. This is the amazing part. It's like out of nowhere. He had a moment where he realized all this means nothing without him. And the Bible says about him that he left all and rose up and followed him. He didn't leave just 90%. 99 and a half just won't do. He left it all. And he said, there's something more important in this universe and in my world. There's something inside of me that's empty. I may have all the gift and the money and the possessions and the houses, but I'm still empty. And the master has just called me. May I, may I, amado. He left all such powerful words. All. I want to bring your attention. I want to try to illustrate what that means for our world today. How many of you know and have heard of the Navy SEALs? Most of us have. They are the best of the best in the military, our military here in the United States, and most likely the world. These are not prissy people. These are the cream of the crop. These are... People that have trained and trained and have sacrificed and have literally gone through the most grueling of tests that any military has. A training camp where anybody can join. You can be in the army, you can be in the navy, you can be in any you, you can join from my understanding off the streets if you'd like to. If you think you've got it, you can join. Well, at least you can join the training program. And in this multiple month training program, the most difficult part is week number four of the first phase. Week number four is... 
a grueling five and a half days of continuous training, ultimately determining who has the ability and the mindset to endure that week and the rest of the program. They are welcomed by a sign that simply says, Welcome to Hell Week. The trainees, las reclutas, constantemente están en motion, no paran por días. Trainees are constantly in motion. They are constantly cold. They are constantly hungry. They are constantly wet. Mud is everywhere. Everywhere it covers their uniforms, their hands, their faces. Sand burns their eyes and it chafes at raw skin. Medical personnel even stands by just in case somebody is having a heart attack, a stroke, or if they've broken something, whatever the case may be, any type of emergencies and those types of things do happen with medical personnel there at their side. At their side. Sleep is very, very little. Sleep is fleeting. They get a mere three to four hours hours for the whole week not three to four hours a day three to four hours total of rest within that hell week the trainees consume up to 7,000 calories a day in the little meals that or in the meals that they are given but yet they still manage to lose weight the inner voice that, that pounds on their mind and on their heart mimics that of their instructors that always pace the line in front of these waterlogged men. And they're always carrying a bullhorn and always saying phrases such as, if you quit right now, you can go down the strand to one of those lofty hotels and you can sleep as long as you want. Go ahead and quit. Give it up. You ain't made for this. Uh, mimicking uh, those voices, their mind plays tricks on them. They become delirious because of everything that they go through. Throughout this entire week of Hell Week, these instructors constantly remind these men that at any given point in time, very simple to do, they can D-O-R. They can drop on request. They can give it up. They can throw in the towel. They can just call it quits and go and be on their merry way. All they have to do is go to a bell that is hanging off to the side about 10 yards away to the right 
from where the men stand after their little bit of rest early in the morning. These recruits are tired, they're hungry, their muscles are hurting. They're in some cases, some of them are wanting to quit. And these men, these trainers are telling them, just go over there, get that bell and just, just ring it one time. And then it's all done. You can rest and you can move on with your life. All you have to do is ring the bell. And you can give up. And you can rest. And you don't have to go further. And something in these men fights. Begins to fight against that voice. Begins to try to shut that voice off. But it doesn't shut off completely. Because the moment it shuts off in the mind. An instructor's in your face saying, hey, you ready to give up? Come on, go over there. You don't need this. You don't need to be great. This, this ain't for you. It's easy just to give up. These teams of men that begin the training start off with about 40 individuals at the very beginning. Only a few times, get me, only a few times in history has a whole team ever completed it from day one to the end without one team member dropping out. Just a handful of times. And they do these trainings multiple times, multiple times a year. So hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of teams have tried to do this and only a few of them have completed together. I was living in Vallejo for a short period of time while we were involved with the Oakland work. And I remember turning on the radio and I was listening to, uh, I forgot what broadcast it was, but there was an interview. There was interviewing one of the sealed, retired SEAL team members. And uh, they interviewed him and, and it caught my attention because the commentator was so amazed at not just this gentleman, but their team. And he said, how is it that your team, everybody, became one of the only teams in history to complete this training, the several months of training and especially Hell Week. How did you guys do that together? Usually people drop out in that Hell Week. Can, can you just tell the story? And he said, well, there's... There's not too much to tell except we all did it. And the, 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 the commentator said, but, but was, what was the ingredient? What, what was? Uh, what was this thing? Uh, I mean, uh, you guys are always physically fit and you got muscles and, and endurance. And what was it? You guys were stronger than the others, you think? He said, no. He says, well, can you tell us, educate us, tell us what made you guys great? And the former retired SEAL team member said, there was one thing that happened in the middle of Hell Week that, that I can point to that made us all overcome. And he began to tell the story passionately. He said, we were so tired. 
We were so exhausted. Muscles burning. Could barely stand. You're hungry. And you're thirsty. And you just want sleep. You want rest. You know if you can get enough rest, you can go on. But you can't get that much rest. And we were halfway into, into hell week. And by that time, we only had about two hours of sleep. And, 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 and we did so good in the last, in the last run on the beach and, and in the last training session that, that, our, that our trainers gave us a 45-minute nap. So we all ran to the bunk got into the beds as quick as possible so that we can go ahead and rest for 45 minutes. He says, I remember being so tired. He says, I, could, I was so tired I couldn't even sleep. He says, I was laying there. I turned on my side facing the little hallway. And he said, I don't know. I don't know who it was. I was so delirious. But he says, he says, one of the teammates got up out of his bed. He says, I, I know we were about halfway into our 45 minute nap. He goes, because I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning. And, and he, he, said, he said, he said, he saw this guy walk by and in his mind he goes, oh no. He goes, there goes the first one. He's headed towards the bell. He's, he's gone. And he's just trying to get his mind off and he's trying to go to bed. And, uh, and uh, the next thing you know, he's, he just drifts off into sleep. And then he starts to hear the bullhorn. And, uh, and then he starts to kind of come to and gets up out of his bed with all the other, all the other recruits. And they, they go, they line up like zombies and they're just, they're just standing there. And they're exhausted. And uh, the main trainer comes down the line. And uh, he says, gentlemen, he says, I want you to understand uh, that it's a new day for you. He says... Uh, but uh, uh, as of right now, he says, you, you are going to make it. You cannot quit. And uh, they, they, they were kind of shocked by those words. And they, they kind of started to come to and trying to realize what, what was going on. Where did this new trainer come from? He's now like, he's acting like he's on our side. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, what you don't understand is uh, that you have got to make it. From now on, so get ready because we're going to be right after you. And uh, he told the commentator, he says, I, I remember being so confused at that time uh, as to what was going on. But then it was that the instructors began to tell us why they were talking to us that way and why we were now going to make it. You see, the man that had got up out of bed while I was there completely almost out of it. He said, the man had got up. I don't know which one of my teammates it was. But he got up out of bed and he stumbled outside and uh, like a drunken man. And he was looking uh, uh, for his way to the bell. And uh, uh, the instructors were looking at him and they began to mock him. Uh, and they began to tell him, ah, uh, there's the first loser. There's the one that's going to let, you're going to let your teammates down. Yeah, go ahead. Go ring. Uh, go ring that bell. Uh, go ahead and get that 
for me. Go ring that. Hold it up. Uh, uh, go, go, go ring that bell that's right there just, just hanging. Uh, go ahead and leave your comrades just, just like that. Go ahead and go home and get some rest. Uh, and the guy, not even paying attention to what, what they were saying, uh, comes uh, and he gets the bell. Uh, and uh, the, the instructor's laughing at him, uh, looking at him and saying, ah, you got to just ring it. Just don't touch it. Just ring it. Come on, ring it. Give it up. And uh, the guy ended up getting the bell. It was latched in the back uh, from some hook. Uh, and he took the bell off. Uh, and he grabbed a hold uh, of the bell. And he began to make his way back to the instructors. And he was halfway in and halfway out of sleep. Uh, and he was walking uh, right past the instructors. Uh, and they're looking at him saying, hey, what are you doing with our bell? Uh, what, what, what are you doing? Uh, you got to put that back up. Uh, all you're supposed to do is ring it. And the guy looked at him, and then he just got the bell, held it close, and he made his way, way off into the dark silver strands of the Coronado Beach Island. And he walked far, and the instructors did not follow him. And he kept walking and walking until he got to a certain point. And he looked to the ground, and he, he, he got down on his knees, and he began to dig and to dig and to dig sand and to dig a hole and to dig it deep and he ended up getting the bell and he ended up grabbing it and, and looking at it and then laying it in that hole putting it down and then grabbing the sand and then covering up that sand and the, that box or that bell and he completely buried the bell and he began to get up and then he went back made it all the way back to his bed and laid down for just about two minutes And the guy looked at the commentator. You could hear it in his voice. And he said, when my Conrad buried the bell, we knew we had to make it. He said, because only that bell that bell was the only thing that we could use to give up. He said so when it was buried, he didn't tell anybody where it was. He wanted everybody to make it. And there that morning, we made up in our mind, I don't care what the instructor says. I don't care what that inner voice says. I'm going to make it. I'm preaching to somebody here today. There is a bell in your life that today you need to bury. There is something in your life that is going to try to hold you down from being great. And you need to make up in your mind today. I'm grabbing that thing off the shelf. I'm grabbing it out of my room. I'm getting it out of my closet. I'm getting it out of my mind. And I'm going to bury 
period here at the Rock Church this morning, can I preach to you today that it is time to bury the bell in your life. I'm preaching to you today that today you can make up in your mind you're going to make it to heaven. You're going to make it all the way. You got to leave it all behind for Jesus. Musicians come. The Bible says about those Old Testament patriarchs. I'm almost done. It says, truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Sometimes the bell in your life is where you came from. The friends you used to have. The relationships you used to have. La abuelita allá en la casa que te predica otra doctrina. Grandma over there at the house uh, that preaches another doctrine and another Jesus. Sometimes uh, it is those things from the past uh, that you need to bury here uh, this morning. Remember Lot's wife. She couldn't leave it behind. She was running away from the past, but then she turned back. She never got rid of that bell. She never buried it. Can I, can I preach to somebody? To, you've preached with me this far, but this is the moment I've been talking about. If you, didn't, if you preached with me, but if you don't to follow through, this message is going to be nothing for you. But I feel there's many people that are sincere here this morning uh, that you know it's not just this preacher talking to you, but God is calling you to this altar. God is calling you to come up front uh, because there's something in your life uh, that's holding you back uh, from being great in the kingdom of God. Something is holding you back from that radical commitment of Levi that says he left off. Would you stand? Stand with me. I wish... that I could come down and tell you exactly what it is that you need to give up. And if I had that ability, I would do it in a heartbeat and I would do it with the love of God because I want you to make it to heaven. But I don't know because I'm just a man. But that's okay. Because you don't need me to know and you don't need me to do that to you. Within the past seven minutes, 
God has already showed you through the preaching of the word what you need to do. What your bell is. And can I tell you that the only way you're going to be able to get rid of it is not just by taking that bell and casting it on the sand away from the post of where it originally hangs. Oh, no. Somewhere in your heart, you've got to make a decision. I am burying it today. I am burying it today. I want to do something maybe a little bit different. I want everybody's eyes closed. Everybody close your eyes. I'm the only one looking as well as Jesus. Would you be honest enough and sincere enough? Everybody's got their eyes closed except me and Jesus. Would you be honest enough to simply show me your hand, just raise your hand, if you know exactly what that bell is in your life. Just raise your hands real quickly. Nobody's looking except me and Jesus. It's just going to help me to pray. It's going to help me to pray for you. Okay, you bring your hands down. It's so beautiful. Bury the past. Bury where you came from. I know how it is. I was raised a good old Catholic boy. I wasn't raised going to a church like this. The Spanish-speaking Catholic church that I was raised at was very stoic, very reserved. And when I came into a church like this, where it was like a big party, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I remember being only my third service. It was the service that I was going to be born again at. But it was during the worship service. And I remember people were so excited. It was 250, 300 young people. It was a youth conference. And they were so excited. They were running the aisles. They were dancing just like y'all did here earlier. And this, this Catholic boy, I only knew Catholicism growing up. I looked around. And, and part of me was saying, man, this is like crazy. Why are they doing this? But in my heart, something told me these words, three words, this is right. And I didn't talk about it. I didn't talk against it. I didn't fight against it. In fact, that night, 25 of us for the first time received the Holy Ghost. And 15 of those 25 of us were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. But I had to bury the bell that was holding me, holding me to my comfort zone. I don't know what the bell is in your life. But God sent me here this morning to tell you it's time to bury it. 
You don't know what freedom is until you bury it. That's why we dance and shout and scream and can do what we do when we praise Jesus is because you're looking at a bunch of people that used to be raw sinners. You're looking at a bunch of people that knew all the ins and outs about sins and debauchery and lying and cussing and stealing and cheating and all the rest. But when Jesus came to our lives and we buried that thing that was holding us back, he set us free. And today I want you to be free. I want you to come. I'm opening this altar right now. I want you to come. Everybody come. Grab your neighbor. Grab your family. Grab, grab, just grab your, grab your invitee if you brought somebody here. I want you to just come to this front. And I want us to pray together as they sing, as we, as they do what they're going to do. I want you to begin, those of you that feel God has spoken to you, I want you to begin to get that bell in your life. And I want you to dig that hole deep. I want you to dig deep in your heart. I want you to dig and I want you to bury that thing once and for all. Don't let it hold you back anymore. Don't let it pull you away from being great. I know you may say and that voice inside of your head may say you can never do the things that you want to do here in this church. But I'm telling you today you can do it if you bury that bell. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your hands? Come on. Somebody give it to Jesus. Give it all to Jesus. Do what Levi did. Leave it all for something better.
Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost is working right now. Come on, we need help in these altars right now. I need a couple to help me pray right here. Come on, I need some people to help me pray right here. Come on, these altars are full of people this morning. Come on, church, find somebody to pray with right now. Let's find somebody to pray with right now. Come on. Come on, it's time to bury the bell. Here it is, God. I'm giving it to you this morning, Jesus. Every weight, every sin, everything in my past, God. Come on, that's it. That's it, go ahead. That's it, go ahead. Yes, yes. Come on, yes. Woo. Come on, come on, yes. Here it is, God. I'm putting it in your hands. Here it is, God. I'm putting it in your hands today. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray with authority with somebody right now. Right now, right now, right now. Hey. He loves those tears. He loves those tears. Come on, pour it out to him. Yes. Here it is, God. Here it is, God.
to set you free today. God's going to release you today. I give you all. Here is everything. I give you all of me. Hey, come on, somebody.